We sit with Michael and watch the film, um, DJ and I, every week, and so he has a great understanding of what we're trying to do and where we're falling short, and we take ownership for what we need to take ownership for and, and say what we're going to do moving forward. So the um, communication has been clear, and uh, everybody's been great. It's Cliff Kingsbury and his media availability yesterday. Ahead of the uh, Rams game on Sunday in Los Angeles. And that was one of those quotes that everybody's like, oh, boy, what? Yeah. Um, Wait, what? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cliff Kingsbury, Vance Joseph, watch film every week with owner Michael Michael Bidwell. Bidwell. So, uh, yeah, this this was a little bit alarming to, to the people who think there's too much meddling going on. And there's a case to be made when you put together Patrick Peterson's accusations about emails being left on the chair. Um, when you we go back to the to the footage of Michael Bidwell asking Cliff Kingsbury who he wants to take in the draft. And Cliff says Andy Isabella. And then then this. Now, again, listen, I, I'm not saying this is unique to Michael Bidwell. I, I think more owners than not get very, very deeply involved in these businesses is because they're you know it's they're, they're they they command the interest of everybody there's it's it's hard to be an abst, an abstentia owner and or an absentee owner it's very difficult to do that when oh, you're yeah. talking about a national football league team um because it, it, think about it this way i mean we love our 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 listening audience to death but could you imagine doing a radio show where 25 million people are watching or you know what i mean Isn't it's that about our listenership? Yeah, I think we're at 22. I'll give or give or make a few. Okay. But, but it's I'm amazing saying, that we have that many listeners and so few Twitter followers. Stop groveling, Jarrett. Stop begging. So, um, so yeah, so I think that this, this was a little bit alarming, but not all that surprising. And it, and if you want to know the bottom line of it, for for all the people who asked, how does that, uh, that independent study addendum end up in Kyler Murray's contract, that's how it ends up in his contract from an owner sitting watching film with the head coach and then the head coach saying see all these plays we had and see what the quarterback isn't seeing and and this is what we were trying to do here and then the owner walks away going man my quarterback's got to get smarter yeah listen i'm just i'm just putting it all together it's what i thought was interesting too was a follow-up question to cliff kingsbury yesterday was is this normal and like 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 cliff would know here's that answer I'm not sure how that goes other places. I've heard p- different p- people do it different ways, but it's been great for, um, I think, BJ and I to be able to show what we're trying to do. Here's the plan going forward, and here's how we're going to try to get this thing right. Um, look, this is open for interpretation mm-hmm. because you brought up the M word, meddling. meddling. Yeah. We don't know if that's the case. This could very well be nothing more than Michael Bidwell wanting a better understanding, wanting to learn more of what's happening on the field. There was mm-hmm. a clip in the Hard Knocks episode last night where, you know, Michael Bidwell points out to Steve Kime, oh, he's going to have he's going to have Hopkins over here. And that led to the touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um you also said something too about it's really hard to be an absentee owner. It's re- especially hard to be an absentee owner. Which I I, I I know I couldn't be. If I mm-hmm. owned something that important, I would want to be involved to a certain degree. But Michael Bidwell and the Bidwell family, it's different for them. They don't have outside business interests. No. The family business is football. Yes. So yes. Um, I, I don't know if this – we've all heard the stories about Robert Sarver during his ownership. Mm-hmm. 
you know, coaching DeAndre Ayton on how to box out NBA centers, which people you know rolled their eyes at, you know, at minimum, or got irate about at other, you know, at a different level. We don't know if it's crossed over to that. Um, I just thought it was a little eye opening. I would have been interested much involvement if there was a follow up to say, is this something that you've always done with him, mm-hmm. or is it something that just started since well, you've been struggling? Yeah. Okay, yes, I've got mixed feelings about this because number one, I do think too much meddling is very bad as we saw with Robert Sarver and mm-hmm. I think one of the keys to the Suns turnaround was James Jones coming in and convincing Robert you need to hire a very good well respected head coach and you need to back up a little bit and he did and and I think it had a real good effect and and so I I, I believe that applies to all owners and all sports teams that, that there's unless you really are bringing some expertise to the table then then you're you're not making things better with constant involvement and I think Robert Sarver has always been the lesson that that I've looked at um, but if this is more of the case of an owner being look I got to find out what's going on here you need to explain to me why this offense is really this stagnant show me I, 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 that actually makes me feel better that it's not just okay I'm cool with whatever, whatever you do Cliff mm-hmm. and, and because there was a time there's a famous story when Russell Wilson first started to pop in Seattle where Michael Bidwell came down in Ken Wisenhunt's office and said show me your show me your draft board I want to know where you had that guy slotted just so I know more about your football acumen yes so if this is an if this is an accountability thing, then then I'm I'm okay with it. I'm right but, there with you. But I also think that there's a danger because here's what the danger is. The danger is when you couple the contract extensions given to Steve Kime and Michael Bidwill, um, fans will I'm sorry, and Cliff Kingsbury. When you look at those contract extensions, people will look at this and go, okay, this is this is the issue here because the criticism of Robert Sarver was always he's hiring these unproven. Lesser qualified guys because he wants the control and he knows that if he were to go out and hire a Greg Popovich, that Greg Popovich would say, get out of here. You're not welcome here. Mm-hmm. And so there's a feeling among fans that is this an, is this an obstacle to progress? Because would a would a real would would a, a so, so if people were focusing on Sean Payton, if Cliff Kingsbury is removed of his duties at some point in the future, would Sean Payton be amenable to watching film with the owner? And I think we all know what the answer to that question is. And so it gets it, it that's where it gets complicated for fans to try to figure out exactly what is the meaning of all this. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a a large percentage of fans who think. That the owner is just supposed to sit back up in his box mm-hmm. and, and sign checks. And that's not how it works. That's not how it works. That's uh, not how it works. And, and I think there's variables to all organizations, but I agree with you. I think the, the key word in that is accountability. Mm-hmm. We talk about player accountability all the time. Are, are they being accountable to each other? Are they being accountable to their coaches? All of those things. Now, you know, if there's checks and balances in place for the coaching staff, I don't think that's a bad thing for a struggling football team. Well, it, again, because it, if you or I own the Arizona Cardinals and you're watching this offense on Sundays, you you want to know what exactly is going wrong. Tell me your viewpoint of the what mm-hmm. is going wrong here. But again, if, if if it's a weekly thing just to be around the team, then then clearly that's an impediment because the coaches have better things to do. How How is that helping Cliff Kingsbury get better? 
So, so I think I've got mixed feelings about it. But again, I do think that that the accountability thing. I, I'm glad. I'm glad because this is the Michael Bidwell that I talked about before. The the guy that brought this franchise out of the dark ages was just wildly ambitious. Not you're, no slackers allowed. No. Uh, I thought this was interesting too from Cliff Kingsbury's press conference yesterday. He was asked a question about you know being a head coach in the NFL. You know w- what makes it so attractive because there's no job security. I feel like one of those live golfers right now. <laughs> so you want the honest answer? <laughs> no, no, I, I think no. Um, when you're in the profession, I mean, it's it's the highest level you can be at and for me to come to work with guys that they've spent their entire lives trying to get here working to get here they're highly motivated every single day that's that's a special environment that's something that wakes you up in the morning you get inspired to be around these guys and their stories and all those things i've coached at the college level incredible experience you build amazing relationships you get a mentor with those kids but there's no poking or prodding here. There's no trying to make them gain weight, wake them up in the morning. None of that. I mean, these guys are the, the cream of the crop, and to be around every that every day, I think, pushes you to, to be a better version of yourself. I I love that answer, too. With the, the live golf joke no, at the, I do at the like beginning. That. Yeah, that is very funny. <laughs> do that we, is do very we funny. really need to talk about the money that's yeah, available that's, to that's NFL right. coaches? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and Cliff's been open about that since since he's been in the NFL. Um, that he has no desire to go back to the college level because of all mm-hmm. of the other stuff, dealing with boosters, recruiting, even talked about other stuff, poking and prodding players who mm-hmm. might not really want to do this. They might be you know, capitalizing on football just to get their free education. There's a lot of that that goes on. You don't have to worry about that in the NFL. But one of the takeaways I had from watching Hard Knocks 2 was, man, the pressure that these guys are under. And Cliff Kingsbury talked about it, being a coach's son in Texas, uh, and, and being a high school coach in Texas is not like being a high school coach anywhere else. There's pressure on you to win football games. That's, or, that's almost a college job. Yeah, it almost you're probably, is. You're probably recruiting as much as you do in college. Probably. And you might be getting paid yeah. as much. You're right. You could be. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah. So, again, interesting mixed, stuff. Oh, yeah. You, you're not kidding. You're not kidding. Especially at this point in the season where... Uh, again, I believe the ship has sailed on must wins. Mm-hmm. It's about correcting problems right now, and, and I don't think you can even look at this as a two-game stretch against NFC West opponents for the Cardinals. This is a one-game endeavor, Sunday against the Rams at SoFi Stadium, and then you go from there. Uh, we'll see how it's handled. Coming up next, some more uh, NFL hash marks. A coaching hire in Indianapolis has led to a war of networks. We'll get into that and more next Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. Here's the deal. Everybody talks about my... I'm completely comfortable in who I am as a man, bro. I know I can lead men. I know I know the game of football, and I'm passionate about it. I have no fear about, are you as qualified as somebody else, bro? I spent 14 years in a locker room. I went to the playoffs 12 times. I had... I got five dudes in the Hall of Fame that I play with. You don't think I've seen greatness? You don't think I've seen how people prepare, how they coach, how they GM, how they work? I mean, won Super Bowls, been to two, like... Here's the deal, man. None of us are promised a good job. I may be terrible at this. And after eight games, I'll say, God bless you. I am no good. I may be really good at it. I got no idea. But I dang sure ain't going to back down. I can tell you that. That's Jeff Saturday, the new interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, plucked from the set of ESPN programming. 
to take over mm-hmm. after they fired Frank Reich. And of course, when you see a maneuver like that, it's not very common. Let's let's check that box first off. Uh, but there's a lot of reaction to it. Unless you're Herm Edwards. <laughs> well, yeah. And maybe we can get into the similarities of that in just a second. But some of the reaction came from NFL Network. Kyle Brandt, one of the hosts of Good Morning Football football on NFL Network, did not hold back on the Colts or Saturday on this hire. This story is embarrassing. And like, I, I've gotten to meet Jeff Saturday a few times, and I, he was great, and I really respect him as a player and a media member. Isn't he embarrassed to take this job? At best, uncomfortable. For all the respect that he has for coaches and the coaches who have made him the player and the man that he is, isn't this awkward for him? Did he consider saying no just out of respect? Because I honestly Look, I think it is a huge backhand to every man and woman in the world in any coaching profession, in any coaching position, in college, in the pros, in high school. The the coaching profession is something that drains you psychologically, then moves your family across the country and the world. And um, he got it because he's friends with the billionaire and was a good player on the team. And I have to say, there is a very important note in that the league is rife with concern and sensitivity about diversity and hiring. And when those problems come up, the refrain always to people who are frustrated is, oh, no, 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 it's, it, it's just, it, it was, has nothing to do with the color of your skin. It's about the resume, the best resume. Mm-hmm. And Connor Orr had a great article about it. What do you say here? Yeah. <laughs> what, because there's a high school coach and he's on ESPN and screaming on Get Up? It, it's, it's an interesting media thing, too, because this is an ESPN employee, and I'd be fascinated to hear if anybody in ESPN has something critical to say about Jeff Saturday in this case, or is it just, ah, we're happy for Jeff? Because if I'm the Colts, like, I, I'm embarrassed yesterday. I'm embarrassed by the press conference, by the hiring. Look, that's strong stuff. It is. Um, It's the second time, because the Herm Edwards example is out there, it's the second time that ESPN has dealt with this in the last five years Mm -hmm. where the worldwide leader in sports, and I get why it's one of their people. They're getting Mm -hmm. an opportunity that came out of left field. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be critical of it from a a human person-to-person standpoint. Right. I think Kyle Brandt is being fair there. You know, Jeff said... Maybe I'm just more self-aware that I, I I couldn't take a job that I wasn't was obviously not qualified for uh, unless he thinks he really is and and I think the 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 one thing that I would where I would give Jeff Saturday a break in in terms of Kyle Brandt's argument is is if the owner comes to you and says look. I'm telling you, I'm not taking no for an answer. We need you. We need a guy like you. We need what you bring to the table. It'd be real hard as a former athlete to go. No, you don't really need me. I'm really not all you think I, I am. Right, I competitive agree with, I agree with that. If this is if this is the off season, I know the I, Colts are in the but, middle of a season. Again, what difference is, can can be made again, here? This is this is the only time you can do something this wacky without having to do a without having to adhere to the Rooney Rule. I don't listen. I'm not being sympathetic to this because listen, we we've we've dealt with a lot of that stuff here. The hiring of Cliff Kingsbury fell f- fell under that same roof of. What did he do to deserve this? Yes. And so and and so. But you, at least he coached. You know this, right? <laughs> at least he coached. Right. Well, I was uh, I was I was I, I played next to some really good players. I snapped the ball to a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Listen, I uh, Jim Mercy's getting destroyed over this because not only was the hire bizarre, but the the press conference adjoint adjacent to it was bizarre. The general manager of that Colts team, who was otherwise looked at as a, a really talented dude in his profession, he looked like he was just drank a quart of motor oil. Mm-hmm. He looked disgusted by the whole thing. Yeah. 
It, it would have been weird if at the end of the year they went through all the, the process of interviewing and then they came up with Saturday. That would have been weird in its own. But at least they would have gone through the full process. How often do you fire someone midseason and not just elevate somebody from the coaching staff? Spe- you never bring in an outside person at that point. Gus, it's- Gus Bradley's on that staff. Mm-hmm. John Fox is on that staff. That's 73 years of NFL coaching experience, and both have been successful head to, to degrees. John Fox, especially, yeah. has been a successful right. head coach. Right. I mean, you had your answers right there to come for anybody to come in from the outside on an interim basis. It's just weird to me. Uh, I'm a huge Kyle Brandt fan, for the record. Mm-hmm. I'm also a huge Ryan Clark fan from, from ESPN. And he responded on Twitter and said, Kyle Brandt, stick to talking about the people that cover football at your network. We're good over here. Be well. <laughs> oh! Whoa. And Kyle Brandt is getting uh, I, I, some applause, maybe some criticism, because you know normally the NFL network is not that critical of the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's but, a good point. But that's I, one of the reasons why I like Kyle Brandt. It was warranted. Yeah. He was not out of pocket there. No. <laughs> I'm fascinated. And I've, I can never, I've never said this sentence before in my life. I'm fascinated to see what happens with the Indianapolis Colts. No, are you really? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Sam Ellinger is playing quarterback. Not much is going to happen with the Indiana, <laughs> Indianapolis Colts. Okay? You're prob- you're prob- not much is going to happen with that football team. Probably right about that. Uh, elsewhere in the uh, NFL, the Rams, uh, they're going through some stuff, too. Um, and, you know, they, they put Matthew Stafford in concussion protocol yesterday after the game uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not right after. On a Wednesday, he gets put into concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of leading to uh, the speculation on whether or not he's going to be able to play on Sunday. We could be very well looking at a John Wolford. And as of right now, a Colt McCoy matchup at at quarterback on Sunday. Yeah, I th- I think the John Wolford thing is is going to happen, Vinny. Quite honestly, because <clears throat> Matthew Stafford is exact like Tua Tungavailoa. He's exactly the kind of football player you have to protect from himself. The fact that he strolled into the Rams facility and had to report concussion symptoms. That, that clearly were suffered uh-huh. during that football game against the Bucks, in which he was hit eight times, sacked four times. He's been sacked 28 times this year, which is near the top of the NFL. Um, that means he got a concussion during the game and just rolled on. Yeah. And nobody knew otherwise. And this is exa- coming out of the Tua injury and all that meant to the NFL and that horrifying visual. The NFL is not... I forget who said this, but the NFL... I think it was Mike Greenberg. The, the NFL does not like when hard news programs and and Congress people <laughs> are paying attention to their game. That's, they, that's what they don't want. Right? Very true. They want all the sports fans paying attention. They don't want those people. They don't want House committees gathering to talk about concussions in football. Here's uh, Sean McVay uh, talking about the situation with his quarterback. We'll keep Matthew Stafford out. We'll put him in the concussion protocol. Um, what ended up happening was, you know, Reggie and his group doing their kind of cleanup after the game. You know, you, you ask the questions and you do the right follow-ups and uh, determine that they felt like that was the best thing for him. And um, that's kind of where we're at with it. 
it's uh, more importantly about you know the person than the player and these types of things as we know and nobody's more of a competitor and wanting to be out there with his teammates than Matthew he's in the protocol so we'll take it a day at a time with him and um, that was what uh, our medical experts determined just based on some of the things that they gathered was uh, the smart and the right course of action yeah it's going to lead to more questions about the timing of it Mm -hmm. Uh, but McVeigh kind of covered that at the beginning of that soundbite asking all the right questions after the game we shall see um Either way, it's still a huge, huge... Yeah. For both of these teams, that are, there's a lot of similarities between these two teams right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, listen, this this opens a window for the Arizona team, obviously. If Matthew Stafford is not playing and Kyler Murray is playing for you, even if Colt McCoy is playing, I think Colt McCoy is a better backup quarterback than what the Rams have. I think this this would be, at, at worst, a wash and, at best, an advantage for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, this is a window open that they can take advantage of. I just, I don't know how, I, I'm not sure what protocol looks like now mm-hmm. after Tua, but I just, I think the Rams, I don't think we're going to see Matthew Stafford on Sunday. I feel that way right now, too. Now you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620. Coming up next, we'll get into the big stories of the day with the Rush Hour Reboot. Sarah Cazell will take us through it next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Good morning, everybody. Welcome on into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We're taking you through the top stories of the day like we do every single day at this time. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. Vince Murata, welcome back. Hello, ladies. Hello. And Jarrett Carlin, are you tying your shoes down there? Hello, Ralph. Uh, my... The cord for my headphones got like stuck <laughs> underneath the wheel of the thing, and it's like pulling me down to the ground as I move. <laughs> You're a disaster, I, Jared. Do you own shoes with laces, by the way? <laughs> That's Probably true. not. I have You're a big one guy. pair. I have one pair of sneakers. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Do you work out in loafers? <laughs> Birkenstocks. I don't work out. There you no go. need so, to. You so, can't improve on perfection. Solve baby. that true, problem. True. True. <laughs> All right. Oh man, lots going on with the Arizona Cardinals right now. Today they are three days out from the matchup that everyone is looking forward to. Colt McCoy and Hank Gudgley. <laughs> Mungo Beanfield. Mungo Beanfield. Who else do we got? Uh, Kyler Murray has a hamstring injury. NFL Network's Ian uh, Ian Rappaport described the injury as quote not nothing but not catastrophic and said stay tuned this week. And then Sean McVay shared yesterday that Matthew Stafford, his quarterback, is in concussion protocols. Here is Kyler Murray speaking to reporters yesterday, not about his hamstring, but about uh, playing the Rams for the second time this season. Coverage-wise, we know what they're going to be in. Um, Front-wise, we know what they're going to be in. Um, just got to execute, and that's just, you know, that's been the moral of the story is just having executed, shot ourselves in the foot many times. Um... And, and to win games, like, you can't do that. So that, that's I feel like that's you know the focus is on us. You know, is that's where the start is. It's you know playing clean football. Um, all the other stuff, worry about that later. You know, so right now it's fundamental stuff. You know, we're we're, we're we we've been bad at that stuff. Not shooting ourselves in the foot. We heard that over and over and over again last night on Hard Knocks. So you guys just said in the last segment, talking about this game, that you don't expect that Matthew Stafford will play. 
Do you think with the hamstring injury, which again was described as not catastrophic, but not nothing, do you think the Cardinals should just decide now, all right, Colt McCoy, you're taking the ball. We're not going to further aggravate whatever's going on with Kyler's hamstring. That's an interesting question. I, I re- it really is, is what, how is he moving, right? Because if he's compromised at all, I think we've seen what that game looks like, and, and I don't know if that's the best option for this football team. Um, and, you know, to be quite honest, if Colt McCoy had a start, I'd really be fascinated to see how the offense looks. Yeah. Oh, you What's just different? the words right? right out of my mouth. There's this whole season, Sarah has come down to the Cardinals trying to diagnose what their own problems are. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're frantically on the football version of WebMD, like, what's wrong with us? <laughs> wrong and with they're us. not coming up with any answers. Right. So, right now at three and six, if Kyler Murray is, you know, not 80% with that hamstring, mm-hmm. maybe. Maybe maybe you roll the shot. dice because yeah, listen that that could be that could be one of the best things that could happen to Cliff Kingsbury because really one of the debates that that we're going to have and that yes. that we've been having is how much of this is on the quarterback how much of this is on the head coach yeah. right and and there's a, there's a lot of peripheral signs that show the head coach is in over his head there's I don't think anybody would argue that but but in terms of the actual offense and seeing open receivers what what D Hop said last night on on Hard Knocks was was very revealing. Oh, it's reverberating pretty loudly yeah. in my head anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we will get into that yeah. a little bit more. Uh, we're going to talk about Hard Knocks now. Not that particular moment, though. The first episode of the docuseries debuted last night. It showed Kyler Murray tweaking his hamstring. It showed Buda Baker hurting his ankle. Uh, looking fly as hell in that red suit, by the way. Um, <laughs> and then it showed live looks at Steve Kime and Michael Bidwill and the coaches all reacting in real time to the Cardinals loss to the Seahawks on Sunday. Here is a moment from the episode, Cliff Kingsbury addressing the team in the locker room after that loss. I know this, we're playing hard, right? The complimentary football just isn't there. All three phases together just hasn't been there all season. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's been one group goes up, one goes down, one goes up, special teams goes up, defense goes down. We got to stick together though, I know that. All right, that's one thing standing here right now, I know we got to stick together. Three and six, got eight guaranteed opportunities. All right, it's up to us what we do. But we got to stick the f- together, coaches, players, everybody, and learn to play better together. All right, the f- still wide open. You look at the NFC, it is what it is. But we got to come together and find a way. That's it. All right, y'all get a break. All right, a lot of our conversation, specifically around Cliff Kingsbury lately, has been, does he have control over the locker room? Mm-hmm. Does he have the ear and the respect of his players? What did you think about what you saw, what the episode last night revealed about Cliff Kingsbury and his relationship yeah, with Yeah, I've, I've got questions how much the, the players are listening to this entire coaching staff. That I think that's a takeaway that that is very common from what I saw and from what a lot of other people have seen. But in terms of just the alpha, the the being authoritative, I think I think it helped Cliff. Yeah, and, but then again, I'm a big fan of cuss words. Indeed, I think they could be impacts. Dave. I love, freaking love them. You love this show, then? <laughs> oh my goodness, the language in <laughs> the this language show. In this, well, I mean, listen, because it's it, that, that was a BA specialty, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, this show, BA by would the drop way, a cuss word in a press conference, and the media would all giggle. From that, unison. From that standpoint, uh, this show is Jarrett's worst nightmare. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to be doing uh, Thursday morning uh, reviews of Hard Knocks. Jarrett's going to be heavy on that bleep button. Um, I agree with Bick. I, you know, there's a lot of wondering in year four about Cliff Kingsbury, his control on this team. 
he's different behind closed doors. He's different in dealing with his coaches and his players than he is with the media, where mm-hmm. he's very he's very buttoned up, and that is a Cardinals, I think, an organizational right. strategy. They like yes. the button-up approach in terms of information. But again, there's, they're also aware of the cameras in their presence. We, yes. have, to, we, have, to, we have to make that Absolutely. clear as well. It's impossible to ignore that as yep. much as you try. It's impossible to ignore. Right. But I think after episode one, Cliff came off looking pretty good. Yeah, I agree. And, and that house, jeez. <laughs> Amazing. I love how he was like, uh, I'm not really here, but yeah. look how amazing it is. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's quickly get to the Phoenix Suns. They beat the Timberwolves on the road last night, 129-117. A campaign started in place of Chris Paul, who was out with his right heel soreness, whatever that is. Campaign had 23 points, eight assists, and zero turnovers, guys. In the locker room after the game, he said preventing turnovers was a big point of emphasis for him. Uh, he always took the time taking care of the ball. Uh, caught the bench, I had some turnovers, but tonight that was a big thing on my mind. Try to try to be efficient on offense without turning the ball over. I've been turning the ball over a lot lately, so I just wanted to hop on it. He also said pushing the pace was important for him. Ooh, it was huge. You know, they had too big, so, you know, I always try my best to uh, push the pace. And, you know, when I'm in there, I'm always trying to push the pace. So it was a 30, what, 35 minutes just for the pace today. <laughs> so now I just trying to do that more. What do you think about campaign in place of Chris Paul? Uh, I was really fascinated by it. And I, uh, again, it's a one game sample, so I'm not going to declare this as fact, but it really got me thinking what this basketball team could look like, particularly Mikhail Bridges on a full time basis if they played with more pace. Yeah, and, I, go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. no, and that's it. And, and I think that, I think the fact that Mikhail had that great game offensively last night is kind of related to that. I, I think it's kind of related to that. I also think it's probably related to, uh, um, look, one of the storylines coming out of the Philly game was Mikel Bridges needs to be more involved offensively, and we've seen it kind of fluctuate from, from time to time. He was he was assertive last night offensively. It was good to see, and I think Bick's right. I think the pace with Cameron Payne at the controls had something to do with it, and Devin Booker doing a great job of distributing too with ten assists. We yep. can't we can't leave him out. It was a season high, wasn't it? Ten assists for him. I believe so. Yeah. Way to go. All right. We're all rebooted. You are. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at uh, 7.30. Uh, also want to remind you that uh, you can join Kona Big Wave this Sunday for a Red Sea Road Rally. Cardinals take on the Rams. Enjoy great prizes, ticket giveaways, and food specials all game long. Sunday, it's at Phillies on Scottsdale Road. Coming up next, we'll get more into that Suns' impressive win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Next, it's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Thirty feet away. Now Booker using some clock, dribbling thirty feet away around a screen for Nate. Pull up eighteen footer. Good for D. Book. He's got thirty on the night. One twenty-three, one ten with two thirty-five to go. It's hard to, man. It's hard to. I had a light-skinned reputation coming into the league, so I had to change that. So I just do everything aggressive. I try not to be fighting. I try not to be NBA too cool guy. I'm not, not scared to get dirty. Devin Booker last night after a 32-point performance against the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then after uh, an audio provided or uh, put out on Twitter by Dwayne Rankin of AZ Central, uh, Devin Booker, they're saying, I had a light-skinned reputation when yeah. I came into the NBA, not afraid to get dirty, not to be an NBA too cool guy. 
One of my takeaways from last night's game was we're seeing it develop more and more. Mm-hmm. And maybe last night wasn't the greatest example because the game never really got into peril. The Suns withstood a couple of charges. But Devin Booker is developing into that killer. When you need a hoop, a big hoop, he's going to get to his spot, and mm-hmm. he's going to stop runs from the other team. And he mm-hmm. did that a couple times last night. Yeah, this is, uh, again, this is the continued evolution. I thought that quote was fascinating. I, I, I would love to hear more about the context of I was looked at as a light-skinned guy, as I, if that was a pejorative. I had a light-skinned reputation. Yeah, I, yeah. Wonder, I wonder what that exactly means. Okay, I'm not the expert, but my understanding is that it means you're soft. Soft, Okay. Yeah, because pretty boy, because I think that's what he was getting at. Yes. I really did relate to the second half of that quote, though, when he said, I've, I've really tried to be not be the NBA too cool guy, because nothing drives me more crazy than than basketball players who who just, you know, it, it's the style points matter more than the actual substance. Yeah. yeah, And we've all seen that. The guys who don't want to engage, the guys who don't want to play defense, the guy who's like, get off me, man. You're not supposed to be defending me that hard. Yeah. So much was made, and it was really in focus last night because of the opponent, but so much has been made over the years of the uh, friendship, the partnership, if you will, between Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, and Mm -hmm. D'Angelo Russell. All three of them were on the floor together. Mm -hmm. They once famously posed for Slam Magazine wearing each other's jerseys from different teams. There was a time when people here in Phoenix said, wow, we need to get those three together. To me, there's been just an absolute separation of the NBA evolution of those players. Devin Booker is becoming that guy. Mm -hmm. I think Carl Anthony Towns, quite honestly, had the early jump. He came in and had immediate success, put up big numbers. You know, he was the first guy that was was pushed on that on that scale or put on that pedestal of this is one of the, the up and comers. In the last Two plus years, Devin Booker has completely separated himself, and I know they're still buds, and I get it. Um, but he is just a cutthroat competitor. And when I look at those other two guys, I, I, I look at guys that flounder a lot in NBA games. That was one of the takeaways I had from last night. Yeah, that 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 he's a hardcore player, and Carl Anthony Towns and D'Lo are not. I think that's yeah. very very true, and I think that I think all along Devin Booker has been very cognizant of that. I think he he loves those guys, but I think he knows they're not winners. I I think deep down he knows, you know, that they're kind of soft, and that if they did form a super team, they'd all be you know riding on his cape. It wouldn't yeah, be listen, that much of a super team. Them no. forming a super team was always a narrative that. We pushed a lot more than he pushed. Yes. That which was always interesting in retrospect yep. that he really didn't want any part of that. And and but you know what? I, I don't think Dev, Devin Booker he lit up at that line of questioning, which led to that very interesting quote we just talked about. I watched the video of, of the the actual interview, and he lit up with the ability to talk about his willingness to do the dirty stuff. So this is clearly a vibe that he uh, uh, that he bonds with, that he that he wants out there. And I'm I'm all there for it because that's what you want in a basketball player, somebody who's just going to be hardcore and power through everything. And look, it's it's I, I said this coming into this year. You know, by the end of last year, I was very angry. Part of me was very angry at the Suns, not just for the way they collapsed, but for the way they just ran the other way from competition, the way they were flopping and trying to take charges and being overly consumed with officiating and and and, and you watch that Luca three in game seven when Cam Johnson slides about thirty feet trying to take a charge and you're like, Man, that ain't it. Play defense, draw the line. 
play defense. Quit whining. Quit trying to fool the refs. And a lot of that applied to Devin Booker. I'll be quite honest with you. And, and I think he's getting over it, Vinny. The fact that he got into Clay Thompson's head earlier in the year mm-hmm. and and Clay lost his mind and Devin just kind of see ya right yeah. and then afterward compliment him. That there's a level. Oh, of, he handled that perfectly. By perfectly. the way, perfectly. So there's a level of hardcore ruthlessness that he is getting to this year that I think is the final frontier for him, and I think he knows it. and And he let the world know in that post game interview last night. This is my vibe. Yeah, and there was a moment too. Again, uh, Minnesota. You know, they, they started to push a little bit. They got it down to the, the lower double digits a couple times, and there was one stretch. I believe it was in the fourth quarter where Devin Booker came down, and I thought took an ill advised shot. Took an early three, um, didn't make it. Got back on defense though, and Minnesota in transition tried to push the ball towards the rim. And Devin Booker made a tremendous defensive play. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a free safety, knocked the ball away, ended up falling backwards into the stanchion, but ter- created the turnover and another possession for the Suns. Um, if you would have told me, you know, early in Devin Booker's career, obviously the, the, the improvement was evident year to year to year. To see a guy continuing to improve and evolve in year eight. Now, he just turned 26. He's still a young player, but he's a very seasoned 26-year-old. You don't find that many guys that continue to improve no. year after year after year for that long. Yeah, and do you he know why is, that is? He, but he is driven and dedicated and hungry as hell. And you know I know this because I live with the king of it. I covered the king of it in Jordan. Yes. It's hard work. Yes. Basketball players don't want to spend their offseason getting better. They want to spend their offseason on a beach. Yeah. Right? Playtime. This is my time. Yeah. Basketball gets me X amount of months a year. This is my time. That that's that never applies to a guy like Devin Booker. They they, they can't even feel good about going on vacation. No. Because <laughs> they feel like they're squandering an opportunity to get better. Mm-hmm. And not very few people can roll with that. No days off. No days <laughs> off. Not no days off. But no, few no. Days it, off. Well, again, it's uh, and again. I'm, that's uh, the Bill Bellard. That that stuff's absurd. But but the the ability to to push yourself like that. Players get well, to a point where they get paid and they get status, and and I'm good, man. And, and Devin is, Booker's never been that guy. That, that is so less prevalent than it was. It's a maybe this is a discussion for another time. Because back in the day, it was that. You know, you'd get away from basketball. Players would get out of shape. They would need training camp to get back into shape. Today's players are more year-round, more dedicated to to their bodies and staying fit and staying Mm -hmm. in shape and nutrition and all that stuff. Yet they miss more time than ever before. How about it? <laughs> well, that's part of it. See, they've got people who convince them that that's the way to do Maybe it. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. There's too many. There's too many personal coaches in sports. I've I've been saying that for years. There's too many people telling you, "Hey, okay, like in baseball, okay, get a routine. If it means stepping outside the batter's box and readjusting every item of clothing that you have on you, do it because the routine will make you feel safe <laughs> and it will calm you down and you will find it. Okay, let the Velcro soothing. Right, right, right. Yes. Compete. How about that? How about that? And so so Devin Booker, I just loved it because he just doesn't have time for that. He just he's a hardcore dude who is just gonna he's just gonna eat your face off if yep. he has to. It's the lineage of the the mindset. It's Jordan was Kobe's idol. Mm-hmm. Kobe is Booker's Great idol. Yeah. Great point. And they all have that 
edge. Great point. Coming up next, another hardcore dude who's going to eat your face off. <laughs> Dan Bickley with the blast Fire. next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Don't eat my face, Bickley. Yeah.